So let's start with the Nokar Mantra. Om Namo Arihantanam Om Namo Siddhanam Om Namo Ayadiyanam Om Namo Urajayanam Namo Lowe Savasahunam Eso Panchanamo Karo Sava Pava Parnasano Mangalarancha Salvesim Paramam Havay Mangalam Paramam Havay Mangalam So although last week we welcomed our new members, we didn't get a chance to introduce ourselves, which I realized was a mistake because our new members of Dad's class have to learn everybody's names and we just have to learn one name. So why don't we introduce ourselves? My name is Stemer Chetta. I'm a patent attorney for over 10 years now and um, I have been a part of the Jain Temple here since I got here, which was around 82. Okay. My name is Bhavid Shah. I work for an oil and gas company called Powell for about 13 years and uh, I'm a PMO. By trade, I'm an engineer, and in the management now, project management. I'm Kaushik Patrawala. I work for a company named Wadi. Uh, I've been working with them for like 12 years in northern gas business. JJ, come on in. We're just introducing ourselves to everybody. Can you tell us your name and your where you work? Uh, my name is Umesh Zavidi. I work at the National Group in the software. Hi, my name is Sandeep Surana. Uh, I work for Infosys at BJ Services uh, in Tombaugh. And we already did Koshik. Mm -hmm. uh, my name is Sanjay Shaji. I work with uh, a Fugro Consultants. It is a, I'm basically a geotechnical engineer. Currently work as a project manager in the company. My name is Ashish Mehta. Uh, I work for Accenture for about 15 years now. Uh, and I am IT software, I guess application and I have been affiliated with Dean Society similar to um, the mirror since the 80s. Oh, you've been placed yeah? Pretty much yeah. Oh, good to know. Uh, my name is Nirav Gada. Um, I work for Deloitte. I'm basically from Mumbai uh, and uh, I work in Salesforce practice so anything to do with software, IT, Salesforce. Yeah. Great. So today we're going to be talking about Ahimsa. So who can define Ahimsa? This is chapter seven of the book. Not hurting anyone. Do you have a book? No, right? No. Okay. You keep that. Is this specifically for dads or does the kids who get the same thing? They have different books. They have different books, yeah. Right, right, yeah. They have, um, this is 401, uh, different Patsala classes use the 300 series and the 200 series as well. So we're on chapter 7 of the book. Any other definitions of Ahimsa? Non-violence is most common and well-known. Right. Non-violence in thought, words, action. Right, right. And so remember that ahimsa is one of our five minor vows that we take as that we take as laymen. Who remembers what all the five vows are? Nonviolence is number one. Number two is truth, right? Non-lying, 
non non non-attachment, non-stealing, that's right. Celibacy, right, great. So we all remember, so all, all five minor vows. So this one, why does Ahimsa get a whole chapter dedicated to it? There's not a whole chapter dedicated to non-lying. So why does Ahimsa, the definition in the book is, Injuring any living being in one's thoughts, speech, or by physical means is violence, or himsa. So why does himsa get a whole chapter and the others don't, if this is just one of the five vows? One of the main principles of Jainism, mm-hmm. himsa, like the main thing which our religion is based out of, mm-hmm. maybe. I'm just guessing. Sure. Yeah, maybe it... Uh, encompasses all the other uh, four, uh, all the remaining four uh, uh, principles of Jainism. Exactly. Uh, If we define himsa as injuring any living being in one's thought, speech, or by physical means, then, well, lying is himsa because you're injuring by speech, right? Um, Stealing is injuring by physical means, right? Non-lying, non-stealing... Um, non-attachment is himsa by uh, you can actually demonstrate attachment through thought, speech, or actions, right? Non-lying, non-violence, non-lying, non-stealing, non-attachment, and celibacy. Obviously, there's uh, different ways to uh, do violence of a sexual nature, right? So that's exactly right. So the reason it's the most important is it encompasses all of these. So. I'm not sure why we always learn it as one out of the five or the five, when really the four are the subset of the one. So I'm not sure why it's grouped that way. Uh, It's a little bit confusing. Um, But that's exactly right, because it encompasses all of those. So there are different types of himsa, uh, physical and mental. Bhava is the intention to hurt or injure any living beings. So that's... um, Oh, so dravya is the actual hurt, and bhava is the intention to hurt. So it's kind of like, if you know about the law, there is this idea of your mental state when you do the action, right? It's different if you're incapacitated and you do the action, or if you do it premeditated. So, for example, the one probably everybody knows is, if you murder somebody in an act of passion because you were enraged because you just found out about something, that's considered different than if you plan something for months or weeks beforehand, then they call that premeditated murder, right? Which is more harmful. And so Jainism has a similar uh, kind of outlook on it in that if you have the intention to hurt or injure, that is more harmful than if you did the act on accident. So Brahmada is another form of bhavahimsa. And brahmada means two things. The mental state of attachment and aversion and two, negligence. So um, negligence is a little better, but, uh, but still himsa, right? And there's also macro and micro himsa. So macro himsa is the hurting or destruction of the higher forms of life, two to five sense beings. We make a distinction between committing violence against two to five sense beings and a distinction, the micro or sukshma himsa means taking the life of one sense being, such as 
vegetables, water, earth, fire, and air. And the justification of this is that those with less senses suffer less because they don't have the capability to suffer as much as two to five sense beings. So if we have to live, then let's limit our himsa to one sense being. So uh, the, for the major vows, remember, the, for the major vows, these are taken by um, priests and nuns, right? Sadhus and sadvis. And Ahimsa is, of course, the, the major one. And it's defined as abstaining from the commission of five sims, Himsa and the rest, in three forms. Krita, which is one owns act, one's own actions. Karitra, is getting it done through others and anumodana, which is encouraging and approving others to do it. And of course we can do it through mind, speech, and body. So we have a three by three matrix, right? We have these three ways to do it and with mind, speech, and body. So you have nine. So in the major vows, when you take major vows, you don't do any of the nine. Okay, so but for us, which is the next section, we of course take the minor vows and himsa is defined as ahimsa is defined as refraining from injuring living beings having two or more senses with the deliberate act of the mind, speech, or body in any of the two ways, kritya and karita. And so we shravaks and shravikas are encouraged to perform something less than the nine. That's why they're called minor vows. So questions or comments about that? Okay, so we go on to further classify Himsa. Uh, there's many different classifications into uh, three parts. Uh, occupational violence and non-occupational violence. Sorry, two parts. And occupational violence is further subdivided into three parts. Industrial violence, common violence, and defensive violence. So industrial violence is the Himsa you commit in your job or profession. Common violence is the himsa you commit at home or with domestic acts, such as preparation of food, keeping the house, body clothes, and other things, constructions of buildings, wells, and gardens. In that time, these were the common acts of householders. And defensive violence is the himsa you commit in self-defense of your person and property. I'm not sure why it says property there against thieves, robbers, assailants, and enemies in meeting their aggression and causing the least possible injury under those circumstances. I'm not sure why it says property there because we're not supposed to be worried about a property as much. Um, but, yeah, maybe it's something we can ask the uh, writer of the book. Uh, so these are in order from... So just like the law has this concept of self-defense, where self-defense is an excuse to commit a crime. Uh, not an excuse to commit a crime, that's not right. A defense when you're charged with committing a crime. If you said, I killed that person because he was going to murder me, then they don't send you to jail because that's a defense against murder, right? So just like that, we also have a defense type, uh, a defense type classification where it's more okay to commit himsa in self-defense than in other cases. 
And what do I mean by more okay? I mean you attract less and weaker kinds of karma to your soul, right? Because that's what we're ultimately talking about is how much karma we attract to our soul. So what does it mean by industrial violence? Like butcher houses. Huh? Butcher houses and you can be... When you commit himsa and your occupation. If you're working there... Yes. If I work in construction, and I'm not construction, but yeah, it could be. Yeah, building, yeah, building, yeah, building, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that too. Yeah, before you have yeah. to bring it to you to chop off the trees, trees and, and clean the. That's, yeah. That is. Okay. So, that's your job. Part so. of your job is to do that. So even for software, professionals, software, software engineers, software. you're good. Okay. You're good. 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 <laughs> but also ultimately what it is used for right yeah so yeah. that is true you're using electricity which is yeah. also causing that right? yeah. so you're in your job if you are exploiting your subordinates yeah that is also so now that we've talked about it a little bit tell me about the things that you might have not considered himsa before but do now so why is it tell me why Thoughts and speeches that injure others are himsa. Because I don't understand. So let's say I insult you. And you get your feelings hurt, right? And then how is that... How does that attract more karma to my soul? Obviously, you know, you're fine. It's just your feelings that got hurt. Result of that, what the action would be performed is indirect, maybe. Like indirect action out of my insert, I would take some other action which is harmful, maybe. Right. The reason that I attract karma to my soul if I do himsa by speech is because I hinder the interactions between us and I engender that in you. And you may go do that to somebody else or you may not or but ultimately it's my fault now tell me about thoughts if i insult you in my mind you don't your feelings don't get hurt you don't go out and commit other violence i have not altered our interactions in any way so if i commit violence against you in my mind what's the big deal thoughts can lead to actions i guess that's right yeah so him all if if you say physical himsa is bad, well I'd say like ninety percent of physical himsa is the prelude to that is himsa of thought, right? Otherwise, why did you do it? The only time I can guess when it isn't is if you're ignorant, right? And you perform himsa an action of himsa and you're ignorant. Well, maybe then you didn't have a violent thought beforehand, but the injury is that in most cases it all starts with violence of thought because the violence of thought leads to the violence of speech and the violence of speech leads to the violence of action and that's why it's wrong that's and even though it didn't hurt you if i just mentally did it it hurt me and it, it, it's bringing karma to me right exactly um so the book goes on and says one of the main things we can do is be vegetarian. And they talk, uh, 
I don't think you guys need any kind of um, convincing about animal cruelty, the ecological impact of vegetarianness, slaughtering animals, cruelty to cows in the dairy industry. Um, uh, and the book goes on to state that uh, it is Jane to be vegan. That is what we should be aspiring for, is veganism. That has not always been the case, but now it is the case. And now it's generally accepted that veganism is Jainism. So that's what we should aspire to. So veganism is better than vegetarianism? Absolutely, because veganism means yeah. you refrain from eating dairy or animal products such as honey using silk and leather in your clothes and everything like that. But if the animal is treated kindly and all that, uh, and if we get their milk, then isn't that okay? Or the book says the animal is not treated kindly. The book says yeah, cows right. are kept pregnant continually, mm -hmm. slaughtering 70 to 80% of baby calves within six months for the veal industry, slaughtering the mother cows five years after their fertile life because they don't produce any milk anymore, yeah. and hormones and drugs are inje injected into the cow to increase milk yield. So I would reject that premise then any kind of animals are treated. Unless you have livestock. Yeah. No, again, you know, I was, again, when we buy milk from here right. and all, we all, I always have that thought, okay, right. where is it coming from and all. So I was actually inquiring here, like, you know, are there any dairy farms where cows are treated kindly and all that. So I came across, like, one of my friends, he goes to Iskon. Uh -huh. So they have a Bhakti urban farm. Oh, okay. And I, I just went to the website and it says, okay, the cows all treated the way, you know, in a traditional Indian way, you know, when, it, right. when they were uh, uh, not uh, uh, milked in a factory farm and all that thing. So uh -huh. I haven't visited, but that's on my, one of my list to visit. That's and great. Very good. Yeah, that's great. You actually can go and physically milk the cow mm. and use that milk. Uh -huh. Have you guys been any one of you? No? Yeah, we, had a, we had a lecture by one of the mm -hmm. professors he was talking about this concept where they thought they'll you know have such a big land and let the cows graze freely mm -hmm. and only the milk which is left over after the calves have had the milk that is only used but then the demand to the supply is so low right not sustained yeah over. Mm -hmm. even even for for a day supply you need to have like acres and acres of land and it's practically not possible so right. even though they may claim mm -hmm. but uh, is it, it true we don't know. yeah it is economically not possible to raise uh, and try to meet a demand of humans because and and again I, in this book also it is written that human is the only breed in the entire world where which actually uh, uses milk of another animal right yeah so but again, I mean, there, I think there the purpose is not to serve a whole lot of human population. It is for maybe their own internal uh, consumption, you know, because it's gone, they have their own, you know, they make their own meals and all that, so Correct. maybe they use it there. Okay. Use it there. Okay. It's not for commercial consumption. Mm. Oh. Oh. So that, that milk will never come into the general, meaning if, even yeah. if you want to go and, mm -hmm. and get only that kind of a milk, mm -hmm. it is not possible in order. The question is, is scientifically proven that veganism is better than vegetarianism or better for what better for your health yeah I think so yeah yeah is it I mean uh, how do you get all the nutrients which you don't take from like milk and um, so we get uh, what do vegetarians eat 
The staples of a vegetarian diet are grain, legumes, vegetables, fruits, nuts, and seeds. Protein can be obtained easily through a variety of grains and legumes. Fiber and essential item, vitamins, minerals, and carbohydrates are obtained from raw vegetables and fruits. And leafy green vegetables are rich in iron. Yeah, so that is vegetarianism, not veganism, right? Well, all those things are vegan. All, all of these things are vegan. Okay, <laughs> so only thing that you keep it out is milk and milk. ghee and butter, Honey butter and, and all that. Right? So once you keep it out, it becomes vegan. There's a lot of products built from milk, right? Yes, sure. So yeah, yeah, all of all that. So yogurt, cheese, and yogurt. you get alternatives so for everything. At least here in US, you get a lot of products. Right, and so that should be a stepping stone, right? Those alternatives mm-hmm. should be a stepping stone, yeah. with the next stone being cutting them out completely. I guess what he's saying is that the milk is not a necessary nutrient for us as growing. Yeah, you can find same nutrient from. Like who, who is vegan here? Uh, you are vegan. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm ninety-nine percent. Okay. I've never given it. I don't think so. I'm gonna just cut eating. Yes. <laughs> Which you can make vegan too, but at least at home, yes, I'm. Right. Sense. Right. And you know, it it just depends on how far you are, and I encourage you to take whatever steps you can, whether it's at home or whether it's 99%, that's better than, it's not a black and white thing, it's not you are or you aren't, right? It's we're all getting to be that point, right? Um, so we go next to rejection of drinking liquor. Uh, obviously liquor causes violence and especially mental violence. Abandonment of honey in, respond, in association with veganism and dress and decoration, don't wear silk and leather. Uh, the next bit is a little bit reactionary, it's a little bit hard to understand unless you know the meaning, the intent. The positive aspects of Ahimsa. That is, Ahimsa was criticized because it's kind of like a negative thing, right? Which is, I don't the criticism is not valid because it's kind of like somebody shaking their finger at you and saying, don't, don't do violence, don't lie, don't steal, and it doesn't tell you what you should be doing. But that's not right, right? Because it's just some people got their feelings hurt and decided they didn't like somebody wagging their finger at them. Um, so now the definition of ahimsa has become expanded to, in, to list positive things. That is, what you should be doing to practice ahimsa, not just what you shouldn't be doing to practice violence. So the book states, It must be noted that the meaning of ahimsa has not been confined to this negative aspect only. It has definitely been extended to include the positive aspect also. That is why it's strongly advocated in Jainism that householders should always strive to extend charity to others who are in need of help. It has been enjoined upon householders to follow the practice of giving dan, or religious charity, to organize welfare activities with the help of charities, to help animal, weak animals and birds, and to indoctrinate the spirit of toleration towards the followers of other faiths or religions. And then we get this whole section about dan, right? About charities. But this is not supposed to be here because we're supposed to be talking about this in the section about how you fight greed, right? Because that's where this is. So if you're looking at how to fight greed and you look it up in the book, which is chapter eight, and you look it up, that is, you'll get a page or two, but here you get three to four pages here about welfare and why you should do it. So. <laughs> This is kind of a little bit misplaced, but sure, we have to react to criticisms about our religion. So now we get, we get into Dan. So, so now we talk about 
giving dan is ahimsa now. So that's why it's here. So, okay, so since it's here, let's talk about it. So donation of money is great, of course, but donation of knowledge is highly superior to that of money, and service is the best form of donation. And the, there are four objectives for giving dan. To atone for the sins like unjust earning committed in the past, to employ in good activities the excess wealth saved after using it for one's own comfort, to accomplish philanthropic activities like constructing and maintaining educational institutions, hospitals, and religious places, and to serve the righteous people, such as the saints and the learned, and etc. So there's a lot about Don, Don in here. So the different, there's like 10 different kinds um, and it's further classified into different types and the different types of gifts and welfare activities you can do the gift of food gift of medicine extending fearlessness which is giving shelter to living beings who are at risk and the gift of knowledge which is the gift of books um, so we talk about Don for a while and then we go to the conclusion so comments or questions? I never thought charity would become a part of Ahimsa as, as it is laid down in the book. Right. So here's the story. So if Ahimsa, cov remember we talked about it encompasses the other four, right? Yeah. So then Ahimsa then... So when we see, you can see chapter 8, you know, the weapons that we use to fight anger, ego, deceit, and greed, mm -hmm. right? So then those things also become part of Ahimsa. So everything we do to not lie, not steal, not be attached, and practice celibacy, well, all those things we use, they get wrapped up in Ahimsa too, which is why you see that Ahimsa is the major part of Jain religion. Because if you start wrapping up all of those things in Ahimsa, then Ahimsa becomes everything. So that's why we talk about Don here. That's why, and I don't know, so if we talk about charity, then why don't we talk about the other weapons we have, right? So why did they just stick that part in this section of the book? And then it ends, right? The chapter on the hints ends. But we know that the, the next part, humility, straightforwardness, contentment, forgiveness, well, those are now all Ahimsa too, right? So I don't know. So, yeah, so. Why is it here? I don't know. But th this entire book then is Ahimsa then, right? Because that's how we're defining it. Maybe they're trying to put this positive aspect more towards the charity. Of, you know. So, yeah, I mean, what he's saying is, well, why did they focus on the charity? Why didn't they focus on humility? Because that is a himsa, because, right? So, but, but we just got the one portion. Um, so now let's talk about your life, right? So after, um, after we talked about this, and now you know like it's kind of all-encompassing and it kind of encompasses everything, is there anything you thought previously that was okay, but now you realize it's Himsa? Yeah, flying on the plane is a Himsa too. Right. Big time. Right. The more and more we hear that and learn about it. Yeah, and if, you know... Now air is a one sense being, right? This is right. A, the most non-intuitive thing, right? Correct. The air and the earth and the wind and the water are alive. And the fire. Right. So it's definitely hard to wrap your mind around.
So solar energy is not considered uh, better than uh, actual electric, if that's the case, or no, or is that less powerful? So electricity is produced usually by moving a turbine and then storing that electricity in a plant, right? And solar energy is produced by using a solar cell and storing that energy in a plant. So it depends on what's moving the turbine. Steam certainly kills lots of things. And steam, we have a lot of steam moving a turbine. Sometimes water moves a turbine. That's okay. Sometimes it's wind. Yeah, sometimes wind, that's certainly okay. Yeah, but traditional, I'm just speaking traditional, most are electric, I mean, some gas fire plant or some... Uh, yeah, that's very bad, right, yeah. Because right. they heat those to move the turbine, right? Because the, the, hot, the hot air moves the turbine, right? Yeah. And what about nuclear? These days it's nuclear powered, right? Right. So, so tell me about nuclear. They smash two atoms together and energy is produced and they capture that energy. How much of it is captured? Do we know? We don't know. And the excess, presumably the, any excess energy kills uh, one or two cents beings. I'm not sure, especially about the, uh, when you talk about waste. Um, but it could be, yeah, I could see a future where you know, nuclear energy is more Jane than electrical energy. I could, if you told me that, I, I could believe it. Yeah, yeah, well, but it's all the uranium and everything is coming from wherever the mines and stuff. So it's still you are right. You are that's so right. You are to, in order to get to that get resource it. itself, you are screwing the whole ecosystem. <laughs> I mean, that's the reality. So right. Um, but one plant once started runs for years altogether. Just right. that one fusion or whatever chain reaction happens, mm -hmm. that is sufficient to run the plant for like five, ten years, and then it produces electricity continuously. And I know in Europe, for example, in France, they actually produce the maybe forty or fifty percent of the entire consumption that is needed for entire Europe. Mm. So they they have these nuclear plants, and all these countries like Norway, Sweden, all will buy electricity from them because right. it's cheaper and they don't have that headache of maintaining a nuclear and then having security around that so I think yeah that's the way it is going towards mm -hmm. in India also they've started a lot of they are starting a lot of other nuclear plants too but isn't solar at your own house this is good no but uh, again maintenance wise now it's the, the, the cost of solar mm -hmm. energy is going down but again, from a maintenance perspective, it is it is so not, not cheap. Yeah, yeah. Forget. Uh, Irrespective uh, of cost. Jainism wise, he's saying solar. I mean, I think so. Solar is better, yeah. right? Yeah, I could definitely believe that. That solar would be the most Jain form of energy. If you told me that, I'd believe it. Um, and we do get to pick where we get our electricity from, right? We we do Absolutely. get to go online and pick. And some people pick the green option, and some people pick. Mm -hmm different ways of produ produced energy and we can vote with our wallets there. A couple of instances <laughs> where it's difficult to explain to other people who are not Jain, like eating after sunset right. uh, is difficult to explain. I mean, I understand the reason. Um, and then not eating plants which are, uh, or the fruits and vegetables which are grown underground, right? Like right. garlic, which is good for health or... right like onions and potatoes, right? So you are saying it's a form of ahimsa, but it is difficult to explain to others, right? 
So why ex- why bother? Yeah, I mean, just why do I care if you are having trouble explaining it to others, or why do you why do you care if you have trouble explaining it to others? No, I mean to give them why the concept of Jainism is like that. Oh, okay. And, right, and then okay, we are based on ahimsa, and uh-huh. we are talking about not killing other beings, right? Basically, right. which are existing. So, but as long as you understand it for yourself, mm-hmm. then. Don't worry about explaining it to other people. Right. Yeah, makes sense. So We're talking I, about Ahimsa today. I, I normally uh, put the scientific angle to it, and mm-hmm. that makes it much more easier to have the, those conversations with non-Jains, like, for example, eating after sunset. So scientifically, it is proved that before you go to bed, you should have your supper or dinner at least three hours before mm-hmm. you go to bed, right? So then I ask the question, what time do you eat food? Or what time do you have dinner? They say 8.39. Then I then the question is, okay, what time do you go to bed? Then they say 11. So I say, then, then you're only having like two hours in between. You should look at advancing mm-hmm. it. That's how I would, I mean, there's no point in explaining. Uh, I mean, you can obviously do that, but then that will not change the perspective. If you just bring in the religious angle. But if the moment you bring in the scientific angle, then people start realizing that, yes, what you're saying is making sense. Like three hours, for example, is a good uh, thumb rule that you can always prescribe. And they, then you, you then correlate to Jainism and say that, you know what, we do that because uh, we eat before sunset. So that's how I try to close the loop. Yeah, some people are having a difficult time when you sell them plants, like we, though you're still harming something. Yeah. Either one or being five. That's true. Even if you try, they won't understand it. One is. Yeah. You certainly I understand that uh, things can suffer more than other things, right? Some people just take it regardless of one or five, it's, it's mm. suffering. Right. And it's, it's just as equal. So if I go out to eat my whatever, you can have your plant. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I think okay. they, they say that you're still taking a life, so they're not thinking in terms of whether it's a one cents, two cents, three cents. Right. It may be difficult for them to understand. I, mean, I think if if I think they don't want to understand at that <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people always will have that in a right. group that you know whatever you say they will have a counter. And, you know, I encourage you not to care about trying to change anybody's mind. It's hard enough to try to follow it ourselves, you know. And I, and I know that, you know, people are interested in what we eat or whatever. And just say, you know, that's why I do it. And I, don't try to, you know, I'm not picking on you or whatever. But, uh, you know, I encourage you to let other people be. <laughs> One of the some, things some people are open-minded too, though. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, and they want to just try it out for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. And... I had a gentleman who is uh, actually trying veganism now, just just by discussion, and that's what, that far even I haven't gone, but he has gone all the way from this extreme to that extreme. Yeah, I mean a lot and of them. Like, the physical changes, our body is meant for vegetarianism. Yeah, a lot of Americans are turning towards veganism. Right. right? So right. I mean, we have heard some a lot of studies have proven that your heart risk is lesser in veganism than other diets, right? So. I mean, there are a lot of shows as well. So mm-hmm. our digestive system is so long, right? Yeah. So, so it's the only vegetarian food can last that long. Right. If you have non-vegetarian food, that's not meant for our digestive yeah. system. So, um, 
yeah, some people they just want to try it for the heck of it, not yeah. just for Jainism. Yeah, yeah. right. They see yeah. the benefit. Like eggs are good for their protein, and what is your protein serves and all that stuff right. they come into play. So. Actually, that's that's exactly we are having a conversation with our nutritionist, and one thing that helps are, I mean, you don't even have to talk about Jainism, but if you look at the the two thousand calorie uh, diet plan, and they'll tell you that most of your intake should be protein. Mm-hmm. Well, if you if you look at that, I mean, probably have so many options like you know sprouts. I mean, or sprouts are not that Jain, but like our grains and things like that. So in fact, if you try to go by diet, and if you don't want to, like they were showing us supplements, uh, protein, B protein, and P protein, and all this stuff, and you look at it and say, like, okay, can I, if I don't want to take this processed food, can I take just the lentil soup, lentil things, I mean, uh, our dal and things like that, which is much more nutritious. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, we have to cook it ourselves. But once you, once you see that, I think it falls in place uh, yeah. according to uh, whatever we have in Jainism, we are more grain towards, right? I mean, even yeah. vegetables are less. We talk about vegetables because we eat vegetables on a regular basis, but the, the grains are more promoted in a way, which is protein. So I think it's just a natural way, rather than convincing a different way, we just say, okay, you ask for protein, here's our protein options. What can, what, what do you suggest? And uh, I think that works really well. And mm. uh, onion garlic, I think one thing we all, I mean, I, I suggest if you haven't experimented, stop eating for a week and then try to eat one day and then you see a difference in yourself. I mean, just experience it for yourself. And uh, I, I did it before. And uh, then I said, okay, I'm, I'm stopping it. And I, I like potato chips. So I kept potato chips in my office drawer just to, just, to, just to see if I'm gonna be urged to do it. And you know what? I, I think it, it tells me that I, I don't really care for it anymore. Mm-hmm. So try that for yourself and then you'll be able to explain the benefit to uh, others because I, I think you will see a change. Uh, you will experience in your body itself. And, and then it's, it's easier to explain. Other questions or comments? Thank you so much for coming today. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.